Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. ways to interact with free birth society and our work in the world. We have our flagship course, The Complete Guide to Free Birth, which is an incredible online course jam-packed with everything we think one would want to know to feel confident to birth in their power. We also recently released a companion course full of meditations, sacred rituals, and journaling prompts to support in releasing fear and tuning in to your ancient womb wisdom. We, of course, have our private membership if you're looking for a community of like-minded, radical, and wild women, and you can apply for that on our website. We offer personalized, one-on-one transformational coaching with a focus on learning the tools to move out of victim consciousness and into self-responsibility, which is, quite frankly, freedom. And it's worth mentioning that if you've been drooling over our Mother Lovin' Retreat in Dominican Republic this coming February, we do have a few spots left open, and you should totally come join us in a magical week in paradise. Find out more about all of this on our website, freebirthsociety.com. joined by Alona, who had a wonderful mother-centered birth with her first child. Alona went on quite a journey with her wild pregnancy, having an unexpected pregnancy with a new partner, and decided to lean into fully embracing both her pregnancy, her intuition, and her power. Alona's story is definitely an inspiring one, as she shares how she chose to call on her yogic teachings and complete wisdom to create the birth of her dreams. So I think the story starts when Janos and I meet. Um, He's my partner. Um, We met while we were both uh, serving at Omega. And um, there was something very different about this relationship from the beginning, it was obvious, um, because it felt like a the real first time, because mm. we got to be present at each stage of it, like the intimacy really set in so gradually. And I think the key of that is how um, it basically began with us eye gazing, like we were friends mm. already, but and we were hang out and we, we tra- challenged ourselves and for like 40 minutes, we didn't break eye contact one night. We were still talking and stuff, but, um, and it's, it's like we could see everything and tell each other everything without doing anything except for looking into each other's eyes. That's so really. romantic. <laughs> yes. It's funny looking back because it wasn't intentionally romantic. It just happened, you know? Um, <laughs> 
and I, I remember as it was happening, it didn't feel like falling in love, like being hit with something. It felt like this very safe landing in love. Um, so yeah, so that was extremely different. And we weren't together for a long time. And then I got pregnant and it wasn't a plan at all. And then thinking back, that it seems that there's like, there were signs all along. So it feels like it was like an unconscious, conscious conception kind of like that's, that's, that was the plan, but we just were not aware of it at the time or something. Um, we went, so we moved in together basically, and we left to go to Connecticut on, um, on a farm to do an apprenticeship for the summer. And that's where I got pregnant or where I found out I was pregnant anyway, because I was feeling really sick mm. and it wasn't my intention to be pregnant. And then when I, my period was late and I was feeling sick, I suspected this could be what it is. And I tried taking like herbal supplements and things that could release the pregnancy. Um, and I just got sicker and sicker and nothing happened. Mm. And it just, when I got quiet and really listened, I got this sense that whatever this being is, however small, however just a seed it still is, it seemed to have this like strong will to live, hmm. you know, like, and, but it was, it was, I don't know, it was like so much drama, you know, around the pregnancy because it, it was not wanted really, but at the same time, I didn't know what I wanted either. Um, but I turned into me hating being on the farm. All the smells, the like hard work, because I was nauseous and exhausted all the time. Like sometimes I physically couldn't get out of bed. And I'm someone who likes sleeping already. But that was like another level because I would go to bed when the sun was still up. I had trouble getting out of bed in the morning and I could still like nap for four hours during the day. So it was like really not ideal for, for what we signed up for. Cause it was like on the farm working from like sun up to sundown and mm. planting stuff. And it was just hard labor and yeah, it was smelly and messy and I just couldn't stand it. And we're living in the trailer and we had a cabin to sleep in and um, so I was really struggling. And then we knew that we had basically three choices, either get an abortion, either go on with the pregnancy, but give up the baby for adoption or become a parent. And Janusz was so freaking out. Like he was so not ready in his mind to become a father or anything like that. So I had to make the choice for myself, you know, would I want to be a parent, even if he's in the, in the picture, like, what would I want to do? And, um, and I got some really good advice when it came to deciding because it was just like crazy in our own heads, you know, like jump, the mind just jumping around between all the different scenarios, trying to picture the future. And, um, when I talked to my mother and told her what was happening, she advised that I dedicate a full day to think of and meditate about one option and then a second day, a second option, a third day, a third option. And Janos did that with me. So we got to like assess what it felt like in our body, what the thoughts were like and, um, and it helped clarifying things a lot. And 
I knew that um, the abortion wasn't an option at this point. It was so clear. Like that was just in my body. I just couldn't do it. Just like when I was taking the herbal stuff to trying to release it, it wouldn't happen. It was just making me sick. Like my own body was taking the hit to protect that baby. Um, and, um, second option. Yeah. So the second option, if it was adoption for that, I made a list because I was like, we're not prepared to be parents. Like he doesn't want to, I don't know what I want. There's all these things that I want to do before I have a child. Like, so I started listing like who, like what sort of qualities I would be looking for in someone to be a parent. And I made the lists and I worked on the list and I looked at the list and it became obvious that I was like, we met all those requirements. Because <laughs> I was like, I'd rather the child be with someone who's broke, but is um, healthy of heart and mind, you know? And I was like, oh, we fall in that category. Like the fear and the stress is really around finances, you know? Mm. But if I'm like willing to give my child to someone else who has financial problems, why would right. I want to be the one to, you know? What a, what a sweet and wise exercise. Yeah, it was, yeah, I needed something to hold on to. Um, so that was really helpful. Um, so, and I remember from the very beginning, the changes like feeling nauseous and tired were the two big ones um physically I started to be afraid of heights whereas I wasn't before and I had this like I just wanted to be close to ground like just being down on my knees and touching the earth felt really good and like taking stairs felt terrifying it was mm. crazy and I was already like going walking uphill was it I became out of breath like mm, from yeah. the very beginning that was already showing up um and food wise I was eating mostly dairy and fruit which I usually stay away from dairy but it was like yogurt and fruit was like mostly what I wanted to eat um and doing yoga didn't feel safe at all so I didn't I just you know sat and observed what was going on when I wanted to go inward but minimal stretching. Um, yeah. So the first, and because I was in that state of like being totally lost, like I, the people that we were hired by on the farm, they were a couple and they had had a baby recently. Their baby was six months old. So she gave me a book of Ina Gaskins mm. and she sent me to a naturopath. And he, he was great because he told me, don't bother getting an ultrasound. Like, and he told me about this place called The Farm, right? Mm -hmm. So I reached out to that place, but I never heard back. Mm. Um, and the story of that woman, she, so she recommended this book of Ina Gaskins. I actually never read it because we had ended up not staying long. And she said, but I can't recommend my midwife because... At 30 so many weeks, we found out my baby was breached and I had to have a C-section. And my midwife should have known, you know, to so that sooner so we could have done something so the baby wouldn't be breached. Like that was kind of like her thing mm -hmm. that she shared with me. And I know nothing about birth at this point. Like this is all new. Like for the first time I'm looking at books, I when she said breach, I didn't know what that meant, and she had to explain it to me. And um 
And one of the things I also did is call a friend of mine called Donna, and she's kind of like a spirit speaker, communicator person. So she channeled a bunch of stuff. And I forget what she said, but it was all like information that helped me be grounded. And she said, ooh, I have a sense of what the sex is, the gender, but I'm not going to say anything. And then later she referred to the baby as she. And I'm just like, oops. So I was like, okay, whatever. Um, and um, yeah. And then I remember reading from the books and counting the weeks and stuff. It's like, oh, it's the size of a raspberry now. And I had this feeling of like a lizard was like swimming in my belly. So we started calling the baby the raspberry lizard. It was like what we referred to it for a long time. Um, so the color pink and the girl energy, feminine energy was like in the picture for a long time. Like I always felt like it was a girl after that. And most people were like, oh, I'm sure it's a girl. I feel like it's a girl. Um, and then that changed later on. But anyway, so we leave the farm because it's just not ideal. And we go back to Omega because the season there started, it's summer and they know us and stuff. So we were able to, um, to get both a position there. And it was so nice being there, mostly because of like the maintained intes- intentional spaces. Like it just felt clean mm-hmm. and beautiful. And it was just a great place to be and, like, pregnant. protected. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like this little village mm-hmm. um, and people, you know, we, we know each other, we look after each other and participants come and go, but like the founding, the foundation of staff members, they just live there and stay there. So, and it's all like, you know, like-minded people, which is yes. pretty unique. Mm-hmm. You know, most, most women kind of going against the grain are super odd women out, but yep. to be held in a, in a like-minded community for your pregnancy. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And people were really fascinated. Like I got a few men who were just like, what is it like to be pregnant? Like if only, like, that's the one thing that I wish, you know, I could experience and physically I can't. And they were just like really curious. (laughs) That's a very, very strange thing to say. But I don't know. Like I'm sure it's like mysterious and and fat, you know, it's there's a fascination. Like I could just oh, yeah. tell there's like this innate like sense of it's something uh, sacred and we want to respect it. But then that whole thing got really you know misguided. And totally. Stuff. But um, and yeah, to me, I remember like it was hard. Like the, everything just changing. It's like normally when you go through changes you still have this like foundation of yourself and then the changes happen and you have this foundation as a reference to kind of uh, assess what the changes are like and this time it was like the foundation itself was changing so there was like no point of reference whatsoever it was just like this journey and the best way I could come up with describing what it's like being pregnant is like imagine you're on an epic journey on a boat and some days it's like the most beautiful sights and you feel like you're one with the divine and it's the most amazing thing. And some days you feel nauseous and you're puking in a bucket and you wish you could just go home, but you can't, you're in the middle of the ocean, you know, like that's kind of like what the pregnancy journey overall was like for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I remember in that phase, in that second trimester while we were living at Omega, <laughs> physically, I remember um, having a really smelly vagina, which I never heard of or read anywhere. And I didn't know, like, I didn't know that that could be a thing. And it wasn't smelling like unhealthy infection. It was just like really potent, mm-hmm. like super strong vagina smell. Hormones. Yeah. <laughs> and the pH changes and yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. Everything freaking changes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I still had some nausea, but it was way less. And what helped most, which I also, we just discovered that on our own was the singing bowl. Hmm. Uh, my partner would play the singing bowl in the evening and something about it was just, it would, it would just like calm down the nausea so I could go to sleep. Awesome. Yeah, it was the best. Um, and then resources, we had a, a library at Omega and there was like a few books there. And there was one little book that both Janusz and I read that were essential, I want to say, and in, in, um, just in the information and the perspective that it offered us on birth. And it's called Birth Without Violence. It's by this French doctor, uh, Frédéric Leboyer. <laughs> yeah, I love him. Yeah. Um, and the, that was just uh, really cool because um, it was the the whole book is kind of written like a poem, mm-hmm. you know, instead of being like with science facts or whatever. Yeah. It just like and have it's you seen so his clear. infant massage one? No, but oh, I want to look beautiful. into it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Lots of nice book to stumble upon. Mm-hmm. And um, and then as far as like, re- I don't know any birth workers or anything, but there's this one girl that I kind of knew that was going to go to doula training in Hawaii the the year before that in at Omega. She told me that. So I f- talked to some people and found her email and reached out to her and she was super happy to help. And one of the things, she sent me back a bunch of resources, but two of them stood out. <laughs> one of them is a PDF of a pregnancy coloring book. That was perfect. And the other one was your podcast. And oh my other, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I started listening to your podcast and that was really cool because it was like the first time like hearing stories um, from the women directly and mm-hmm. that it wasn't a story. Because I feel like most of the stories that I heard were something like, I didn't want any drugs. And then I was in labor and I was like, give me the fucking drugs. Um, so that was totally different and it was and then later I discovered the documentary the business of being born and it was and Janos and I watched it and you know one of the women who shoots the movie who's pregnant I think at some point she her baby is breached so they go to the hospital even though she was planning a home birth and Janos looks at me and is like don't you think she could have had a home birth anyway (laughs) Like, I was like, yes, exactly. That's what I thought too. Um, so it was good information, but then, you know, your podcast really took it at another level. Like this whole journey of discover learning about pregnancy was similar and even more mind blowing than when you start looking into the food industry and this shit you find, you know, like first you don't question it and you start questioning it. You find out all this stuff and it's like major paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. So I had nothing like such so major happen since like 10 years before when I started looking into food. Mm-hmm. And it gradually has impacted me so much that it even changes, changed like my, my um, approach with my passion and the work that I do because 
um, in yoga therapy, I used to want to focus on the population of the unwanted people, like people who are in jail and prison, like even on death row, because um, cause my idea is like contributing to healing the violence of the world. And so I thought if I can work with criminals and violent people that, you know, that's where it's at. Like those people are all forgotten. And then now that this, that I got pregnant and went through all this and have a baby, I'm like, I want to work with pregnant women and babies. Like if we can take the violence out of birth, like that's, you're going to the source. Like, exactly. Yeah. It's like the, the other end of the, of the cycle or whatever. Um, so, so yeah, uh, we stayed at Omega till about the end of the season. And this, while we were there, it was this ongoing question of like, where are we going to go next? Um, and clearly I want a home birth, but to have a home birth, I need a home and I don't have one. Mm. <laughs> That's kind of the thing. Um, so we had the option to move to Indiana and be with his parents even though that's not really geographically the ideal location. Um, I'd stayed at the house before and I could visualize giving birth there. And so that was a big tell. Whereas if I was imagining just the two of us moving out West somewhere in Washington or Colorado or whatever, it's just like, you know, blank. Like it mm. seems way more stressful. And if we were going to move out there, just the two of us, I would prob probably um, sought out a birthing center or something that would have felt safer just because I didn't know where we were going to live. But anyway, we decide mostly for the birth to move to Fort Wayne, Indiana with his parents and set up the room and stuff. Um, so I don't know how many weeks I was by then, but I was pretty pregnant. I think it was, I was there for the third trimester. Um, and this question of, should I have a midwife? Should I not have a midwife was going on and I didn't really do much about it. But then a few people referred a midwife to me and people who don't know each other, they gave me the same name. And then I met someone who had a midwife at her birth and it was the same name. So I was like, okay, so if there is going to be a midwife, I think she's the one, but also the option of not having a midwife is still very much on the table. Um, and I talked to that woman who did have an experience, direct experience with her, who had her birth. And I could hear how she was totally on the, in the zone doing her thing. And then the midwife arrived and then the language she used, she said, they made me get out of the tub to go into the birth pool. Like she was good, you know, in the tub. And so she, it got interrupted and I could just like tell by her body language. So that was a big sign. And then when I spoke to the midwife on the phone, there was like no attraction, you know, like there's nothing wrong with what she was saying. She was totally fair and clear, but I just didn't feel it. It's the, the more the baby and I were growing together, the more it was like, no, nah, we don't, you know, we don't need someone from the outside telling us how it has to be or what we should do. Um, and it was interesting watching the family here because when it was, when I was like clearly pregnant, but the birth was quite a ways away everyone was super supportive and you know, your choices are yours, blah, 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 blah. Classic. And the closer it got to like birth is going to happen soon, the more fear started to take place. And you know, like his mother went behind my back, talked to him, like tried to kind of guilt him into 
he should, you know, stand his ground as a father and request Ew, his wife so to be there or something rude. like that. So there was like a bit of an emotional crisis and it was like when I was like 37 weeks or something. Wow. Um, so we had a like family powwow to clear the air. And by then, luckily, my mom was here. So my mom is traveling the world and she changed her travel plans to come see me pregnant and to mm-hmm. be around if I wanted her for the birth and to be around if I wanted her postpartum. Um, and before that, actually, we went to visit her in Guatemala because that's where she was. So Janos and I went. And I told you the story before. At the airport, they... <laughs> They were like, how far along are you? And it was like, right as we were like, all, we were done checking in, we we're just like waiting. And just because I like shifted my position because I was tired of standing and I did one of those like very obvious pregnant woman things that the woman was like, oh, how far along are you? And I told her how many weeks approximately. And she's like, hmm. And then she came back with a piece of paper basically saying that I couldn't board the plane without a doctor's note. So we have, we ended up going to the emergency place in the hospital to see a doctor to get a note. So, so gross. <laughs> like a permission slip that says what? Like this is the most um, perfect example of doctors being the gods of our society and women being the bottom of the barrel you know that that some random ass stranger is gonna write you a permission slip that says what I, i i can somehow declare with my authority and my phd that this woman will not go into labor on your plane oh okay doctor yes allow allow the woman you know it's like yeah yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous And that the piece of paper from someone you've never met has more value than someone who's standing right in front of you, looking at you in the eye, you know, that you're, so we're, but even, yes. And even deeper than that, that the whole point of them wanting this permission slip is to somehow get some sense that you aren't going to go into labor. That's what it's about. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, yeah. Or she understands that it's at her own risk. like. Right. I, I, which that's life. It's amazing. Okay. So you somehow are able to finagle one at the last minute and you go. Um, well, no, because there's only one flight. So we have to fly the next day. And it's like, so it was like stressful and expensive. And we were stuck in Chicago and we had to take Ubers. And for some reason, all the Ubers have really strong. What, those like Christmas tree hanging things that smell really, really strong. The like, air it was fresheners. The, yes, it was the worst. Um, but, you know, it happened and so it was. And then in Guatemala, it was interesting because everyone who looked at my belly, who asked about it, all the women were telling me it's a boy. For sure, it's a boy. Look at the shape of your belly. If it was a girl, it would be like this. It's a boy, it's a boy. Um, And then we, and it was, you know, the whole time we weren't attached to it being one or the other, but it really um, started messing with us because first there was like 90 plus percent of people were like, I feel like it's a girl. And now it was the extreme opposite. So that was fun. Um, Yeah, so then... 
we have a trip in Guatemala and that's fun. We come back to Fort Wayne, Indiana, and then my mom comes in. There's a little bit of drama. We solve it and we get the birth space more and more ready. Supply-wise, we got, um, instead of getting a birth pool, because those are really expensive, we got one of those kiddie pools, which I freaked out about because it took a really, really long time to get here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the towels. Towels was like such a thing. I couldn't get like a straight answer from anyone. And then you gave me the best answer when I reached out and I asked about towels. And you said, if you have three towels, you will use three towels. Yeah. If you have 12 towels, you will use 12 towels. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. You'll figure it out. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And it's literally impossible to say because if you have a three-hour birth, you know, you're not going right. to need that many towels. If yes. you have a 52-hour birth, you're going to move on to other fabrics in your home. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was, I ended up ordering towels on a website, I think called Towel Depot or something. And I placed the order and everything, and and then I didn't get uh, tracking or information. And I reached out, like, and it's there was like no trace of my order afterwards. And I was like, did I dream that I ordered those towels? <laughs> like, I'm not like I don't know what happened. And now I knew it was going to happen soon. Um, and I romanticized a little bit because it was in December, and there was going to be the solstice uh, at the same time as the full moon. That was my birthday. Oh, really? Uh Uh-huh. Wow. That must have been, (laughs) what a year to celebrate that year. Um, And in in my imagination, if I was going to go into labor and give birth then, I was picturing that the baby would be a girl for some reason. And and I was like, if it doesn't happen for the full moon, it's going to be the new moon. And that's in January. And then when I I imagined that, I imagined a boy. I don't know. I can't explain it. That's just how it was. Um, and so I was hoping kind of for the full moon cause I was also like done being pregnant and I never experienced a contraction or anything. So I started to get curious about it. Like, you know, what does it feel like to give birth now? What does it feel like to be in labor? Like I, I, I know very well what it's like to be pregnant, but what is it like the birth part? I started to get more and more like into it and anticipating it. Um, so it, nothing happened in the full moon. And then I was waiting, okay, it's going to be the new moon, but it happened in between. So it took me a little bit by surprise because it happened a few days before. Um, it was January 2nd, the evening. It was like 11 o'clock at night or something. And I remember just feeling different sensations I haven't, hadn't felt before. And it just kind of felt like I needed to open my thighs and just like sit. Like it just kind of dropped, something sort of dropped in my attention, like as if I was being requested by something in my body to be mindful or something. Like it was just like a different level of awareness setting in. It was very gradual. I remember sitting on the kitchen floor drinking tea with Lucy and that's Yanosh's sister who also lives in the house with us. Um, And we had planned with her to be a part of the birth because she had this like very, she's, she has, she's one of the people who put no fear on us at all. And she has felt connected to the baby 
since she found out I was pregnant, even though me and her have, had not met at all. And she was living all the way west and she moved here because she knew there was a baby coming and she felt called to do so. So, um, yeah, so we were drinking tea and then Janusz was getting ready and we went to bed. And then the entire night I had contractions and it seemed like it was pretty regular. And what I remember is just laying in bed and then waking up and just, you know, needing to moan and stuff and like moving onto on my knees and resting my forehead, like on my, on, on my arms. Um, and I don't know how long it lasted, but I would just like moan and whatever. And then it would pass and I would plop back down in the bed and pass out. And the entire night, that was kind of what was happening. And then morning came and we were up. Oh, and my mother, who was in the room next to us, she came over because she knew something was happening. And she just came to check in. And she's like, if it doesn't seem like it's full on labor yet, I'm going to go get some sleep now so I can be, you know, fully available to you tomorrow. If there's anything, call me. But, you know, she got the sense that it, it was just like the beginning. And so she got some rest. We did that Janosch night in the night. In the morning, she came in and Janosch went by the fire in the living room to take a nap. So she was with me then. And I remember getting on all fours a lot. And my wrists would hurt and I wished that they didn't because I couldn't find another position that was comfortable for when the contractions were happening. And it was just like too much to support my weight on my wrists, it seemed. Um, and I really wanted to get in the pool, but it was one of those things where, I, you know, let's not get the pool ready too soon because it might slow the process down or something is um seems to be an idea so we waited and until I was like okay it's time like now let's get the pool ready and so they did and I remember first the water was too hot so I was just like standing in it and breathing and stuff and eventually I got into it and that was the most comfortable position for me was to be on my back and like and um my arms out and just like being in the water. And I remember overall during labor, like it never felt good. Like I tried to squat and it never felt good. And, and I was almost a little bit like disappointed or thinking like maybe I was afraid of what was supposed to happen because I heard so many stories of like being on your back as the hospital position, you know, and, and the, birthing in power should be like squatting and stuff. Uh, but it just, my body didn't want to do that. It yeah, felt and, so much better. Very few women actually squat, you know? Certainly. Yeah. I mean, more, more in my experience and from mm -hmm. everything I've heard more Asian women, because that's how they're raised, you know, they, it's very mm -hmm. common to squat and hang out in a squat mm -hmm. um, in Asian countries. Um, but American women, I know you're not American, but you know, like from, obviously I've attended mostly American women. Um, it's not really a natural go-to position. Um, but also to your point, yes, of course the birthing in power position is the one you choose. Yeah, right? That's the course. birthing in power <laughs> positions, of course. And I know you know that, um, uh, but I totally hear you. And, and, and yeah, I mean, I think there are definitely, um, quite a few women who lay down because there's something kind of 
uh, understood in that, that maybe it's slowing it down or maybe, you know, that some women find that easier to cope. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So as long, you know, and you were doing such deep listening to your body, that's the point, right? Right, exactly. But I was just, I was so tired is what I remember. I was so tired. And I don't know how often I just wished it was possible that we could put it on pause, (laughs) go to sleep, and then come back and keep doing it. However long it takes, I don't care, but can we just pause it so I can get some sleep is what I felt like a lot of the time. Well, it's, it's like your analogy from the beginning, like you're, you're on a boat in rocky waters yes. and you can't no do escape. anything about the waves. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, the mantra that I used that I found at some point when we were at Omega that uh, came to me from a health book was let in, let go, hmm. you know? So it like, whatever's coming, like let it be. And then like also let it go. Because a lot of the mantras and uh, positive affirmations sounded too phony to me. And that one just sounded so plain and so clear that it really resonated and was really helpful. Um, And so Janos, he was mostly right behind me. So I couldn't see him, but I could feel him. So I I would like grab on to different parts of his body, depending on like when the waves hit or whatever. And I, so I felt really supported and held with him being behind me. And my mother was often right in front of me and we're making eye contact a lot. Like mm-hmm. something about gazing into someone else's eyes who was just like, you're doing great, but they're not saying anything. Like that was really key for me. Um, and, um, and Lucy came in at some point and they put up the colorings of the the. Uh, from that pregnancy book, we all colored one of the things. Cute. They put those on the wall around the pool, and they. She's um, how do you say musician? She does. She does music. So they were they were drumming and chanting um, mm. Janosch and her for a whole bunch, and I joined in sometimes, but I was just like half, like I was like in trance, kind of like so I wasn't even. Like my voice wouldn't like go there or whatever, but I felt held. The space was being held by that drumming mm, and chanting. That, that sounds so nice. Yeah, it was really nice. And they were running around like fixing the temperature all the time too. Yeah. <laughs> it would get too cold. So then they would get buckets to empty it out. And we had a hose. It's not a home birth without that. Without the, <laughs> the heating up the pots and the buckets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, we had a hose set up from the kitchen, the bathroom, the bathroom sink into the pool to feed in hot water. And then they would just like get buckets out uh, to make room. And it got, you know, water got splashed around mostly from me and my move, moving around. And something I remember that I really didn't expect or was ready for as far as like, you know, um, concrete preparations is like how humid the room got. Like mm-hmm. the ceiling started dripping. Totally. And so they had to like mop the ceiling at some point. Um, so that was funny. And um, throughout the whole thing, I feel like I stayed really aware and conscious and kept my ability to speak I just like slowed way down but I could you know I could tell people where things were and stuff and I know like I on some level I was hyper aware of people's you know looks between one another and like what they were saying and stuff 
Um, so that was a, a very interesting um, smells. I became so sensitive to smells. And at one point, someone was cooking and they were frying onions. And that was the worst part of the whole experience was oh when God. that happened. Um, and luckily, my mom was like, do you have some clove essential oil? Yeah, it's, it's really good for just neutralizing. Um, they were giving me tinctures that Janos had made. And my mom muscle tested which one they should give me. So muscle testing is something that my mom taught me when I was little. And it's something that we do a lot, like just as a practice. And so that's something that I really trust just like in my body. Mm -hmm. And I learned to do it a certain way, but recently it was presented to me differently. And for anyone who wants to try it for the first time, the easiest way I think is this, where it's like, you just find your stand, you know, you take a breath, you, you become neutral and then whatever you want to muscle test, whether it's like good or not good for you, you hold it up to your heart and then notice your body's reaction. If it's, if you tend to move back away from it, or if you need, if you tend to lean in towards, you know, into it, and that gives you an indication whether your body has an attraction for it or, or not. So you think that's easier than the arm thing? Well, the arm thing, it's hard to do alone. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> so I, I use my hands. Like I, I figure out how to do it. Yeah, with that one. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, guys. You can't see what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, how can you create like a magnetic mm -hmm. sense in your body is, is basically what you're looking for. Um, so I So they were giving me tinctures and... I remember I had coconut water ready because I just assumed I would want coconut water, and but it tasted way too sweet, and I wanted nothing else to drink but just water. And I was so grateful that we had a metal straw in the house because the action of like drinking, like putting my head back to drink, was too much effort. So unless there was a straw, I would have it would have been very hard for like to talk me into drinking water and staying totally high. I know it's hilarious because people will you know they ask me all the time like what do I need for a birth at home and I say well towels and a straw they're like a straw really? oh hell yeah because <laughs> exactly what you just said that's yeah. so, so common um and everyone's like what's the straw for I'm like it's for drinking and they're like <laughs> what do you mean I'm like you'll see you're gonna want it <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely attest to that. And that's not something we prepared. It's something that just so happened that we had one. So that was good. So I'm in the pool laboring and just sometimes would just like randomly stand up and walk out. And I couldn't let them know ahead of time that that's was what I was going to do. Cause I didn't know that that was what I was doing. Right. I witnessed it as it was happening, just as they did. Um, so a few times that happened and I would go back to on like a thick yoga mat on all fours and it never felt good to go on a walk or anything. I it never felt good to go into the bed. I just like stayed in the room, um, and just like changed positions and stuff. And then they completely emptied the pool and refilled it at some point because the space was like, so water got underneath and stuff. So they, rearranged it and put a tarp down instead of the plastic that we had. So that happened. Um, and then it was getting dark 
So it felt like I had been in the pool all day. Luckily, I was able to get a position where I could have my hands and feet out of the water because how much my skin got pruny was yeah. really like I couldn't stand it. So, but I wanted my middle body to be in the water. So, so that was good. And then I remember just I was like transition, transition, transition. When is that going to happen? Like, it's so clear based on like what's I've heard some people say, you know, and, and I, sometimes I just had like waves of feeling nauseous. So I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to throw up and then that's it and stuff. But it just wouldn't happen. It wouldn't happen. It felt like I was so conscious, so aware, and it seemed like no progress or whatever. So finally, I just came to, because my mom once in a while would like check without putting her fingers or anything. She would just like have me open my legs so she could look at what was happening. Um, if there was, you know, sign of something and, um, and it didn't sound like anything was happening, you know, like that, that I was dilated or whatever. And I, I finally get to the point where I'm like, I'm going to be here all week. There's, I, okay, whatever. Like I give up kind of like, I just, I give up. There's nothing I can do. This baby's going to take all week. This is my life now. This is what I'm doing. I'm stuck here. I live in Uh, labor. (laughs) Yes. That's what it felt like. Yeah. And so, yes, I guess surrender, but in the moment it felt like, okay, I give up, you know? Um, and the contractions got stronger and stronger and it was hard not to scream. Like I wanted to just like tense up and scream and my mom was trying to coach me not to do that but to breathe and to push the energy down instead of keeping it stuck in my head and I was like hating on her for telling me what to do because I didn't want her to but then she I heard her explain it to Lucy like what I just said of how because it energy like the wave of contraction happens and it's you know pushing the baby out but if I hold it and push it upward in my head, I'm more likely to go to my head and like freak out and be fearful and not trust my body. Whereas if I use the wave and direct it downward, then I'm following what my body is doing. Which either way is okay, right? A baby okay. will still come. A baby right. will still come yeah. if you scream and get fearful and lose your mind a little. Um, yes. You know, either way, it's it's okay, right? Yep. Birth happens. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when we talked briefly before I was in labor, that's what you said and it stuck with me. Um, but so yeah, I overheard her explain that to Lucy and then something shifted and I took over. So I sh- instead of being on my back, I kind of came forward and I had my knees apart and my fists on the ground in the pool in front of me. And so when Lucy talks about it, she saw the whole thing happen. She's like, she saw something click in me, the shift happened. And she's like, and you turn into this like powerful, wild gorilla woman or something. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so there was like a major push that happened then. And maybe another one, and I could like I was like, oh, this is different. This is mm-hmm. something else. And I didn't want to like keep reaching and feeling, you know, and hoping for something. So I, I waited and waited. But that moment, I was like, okay, what's happening? And I reached with my hand to feel, 
And it was like the softest thing I've ever felt Aww. in my life. And like, how is that even possible? Like, how does that texture exist? That was <laughs> mind blowing. And then another one and like the head was out. And at that moment, Janosch actually wasn't in the room because someone had made dinner and my mom was like, you should go get some food, get some energy and come back. So he was eating dinner with his dad and they were just talking about how this is probably going to be a long night. <laughs> and, but then he hears, Janosch, Janosch, the head or whatever. So he runs in the room and he still has salad in his teeth. <laughs> And, <laughs> and he sees the head in the water Aww. and it's like, you know, I'm, for me, it's, I'm like, oh, this happening. So I'm like back on my back yeah. and I can see the head and I can feel in the room, just like the anticipation, like mm-hmm. the baby's here, it's coming. And I just very calmly say, there is no rush. Yeah. And then when I say that, I could feel the whole room go, she's right. There's no rush. Like mm-hmm. we've come this far, the rest is happening. So then I don't really remember, but like shoulders was like a big push. And I think I said shoulders or something. (laughs) Um, And then the baby's out and I have no, I like, I was, I don't know where my head was or what, like, I don't know if like I had to pick up the baby myself. I don't know how, if it was like, I wasn't there for a a few seconds. And so Janos had the baby, picked up the baby out of the water and, um, headed him to me and I just saw his face Hmm. and it was just like a body it's like a a little human body and it's like not even really completely human looking you know it's like like fish human creature yeah fish creature (laughs) totally um and and it feels like I held him for a while until I like checked was it a boy or a girl um, and I was like, we have a boy, you know, and, and after all this happened, the most impressive mind blowing thing that stands out to me is actually the cord, like seeing the cord. That, that's like the most beautiful thing I've seen in my life. Wild ocean plant from another planet. And it's so thick. It's so beautiful. It looks like it has like gems and pearls and like, (laughs) and I even saw pictures of, you know, but I never saw it like that when like the way it first looks when it comes Mm. up. Um, And so I'm like standing, holding the baby. I get out of the pool and we're, and just a few hours or maybe not even an hour before that I'm like oh I can't wait to go to bed with my baby but now I'm holding the baby I'm like I am so awake yeah. what even just happened um and I waited to for the placenta before taking a shower and um so I was just like standing and and we were talking and stuff and then I just squatted down and it was really effortless how it came out. Like I thought I would have time to put a bowl underneath it, but I squatted down and it was like out and it was like out on the ground. Oh my gosh. Of the room. Um, yeah. And then I don't remember exactly the details, but I'm guessing, I think Janos held him while I went to rinse off real quick. And then I came back and then he went to rinse off. And in the meantime, they prepared the bed for us. And Mm -hmm. and it was, 
it was like, I don't want to say unreal. The whole thing was unusually real. Like it was so much more real than most of what we experience in life otherwise, you know? And then those first few days, I remember the smell. I don't remember what it smelled like, but I just remember how it was like, it wasn't like it smells good. Like the way you smell a flower. It was like, it smells good. Like in that primal, like, Ugh, like it smells he smells good like I need to hold him and have him close to me like skin to skin um and yeah and I remember in the beginning how he had his eyes closed and he would just like open them and close them real fast and open them and close them real fast <laughs> and for the first two days he didn't cry or anything um and but later he did and so we kept the placenta attached and we put it first day we, I rinsed it off, but I didn't want to turn on the light in the bathroom to not shock um, Amyas. But I don't know if I cleaned it well enough. I just, because I was tired and I just wanted to go the be- to bed. And then we had it in a, was it a colander and a bowl. Mm-hmm. And then the next day we wanted to transfer it into the salt and herbs and whatever. But I think some of the skin got stuck on the metal of the colander. So when Mm -hmm. we pulled it out, I think it might've ripped it open. Mm. So, cause this, it was like this ongoing conversation, should we eat the placenta or not? And I was ready to, if, you know, it felt right. And I liked the idea of cooking it like organ meat and maybe eating it. If I didn't like eat a raw piece right away, like, um, but it turned into it felt weird yeah. and i don't know and then on on day 3 the cord was really dry but it didn't detach on its own yet so we decided that we wanted to there was time to separate and we tried burning it which i guess when it's that dry is maybe yeah. not the best thing to do totally but i didn't know sure. um and we, I think the first, when we started burning it, it was maybe too close to him. Like as mm. soon as it started, and because it makes that popcorn sound when it starts burning, and he started screaming Aww. like he never did otherwise. You know, like, it was okay, the first okay. time. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I so I so we stopped, and I held him, and I felt nauseous and weird, and so we. Um, we did burn it, but just further away from him. And that was fine, but I just remember feeling not good, like, Hmm. when we did that. Like, I don't know if it was, I don't know that it was bad necessarily, but I remember having, like, a physical reaction on some level, like, feeling nauseous when we did that. Well, I also would think that hearing your baby scream in a way that they never had could also make you feel nauseous, right? Like, it's so physical in the beginning. It wears off. (laughs) (laughs) like now I'm like oh are you crying (laughs) but in the beginning I remember it being like this is physically painful to hear you cry Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and right I think so it could be because and I because I sat with it and I was like man it's like up to this point like every moment was like quote-unquote perfect Mm -hmm. and this was like showing us that it wasn't going to be all perfect because that's just you know how perfect it is is Mm -hmm. that it's not um 
And so it's like, shit, I totally am going to fail you on some level. I am flawed as a human. Like there is no escaping that either. And it was like a hard pill to swallow. Like, I think that's kind of like what Mm. was happening. Um, You're like, I'm human. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's so sad. I'm human. (laughs) Uh, So beautiful. And yeah, we ended up burying the placenta after 10 days. Um, We buried it in the garden underneath a catalpa tree. Mm. And it was cool because the tree has like a split in it, kind of. And if you stand in front of it and look through the split, you see the corner of the house where the birth happened. Whoa! So that that, that was like a cool little thing. That's super cool. Um, and yeah, and then just like the postpartum period, I was so stable emotionally for the first days. Um, my partner was a mess. He fell apart. Like he was crying and crying and like he couldn't do simple things. Like he was just, there was like, he went through such a process from like Mm. not wanting to be a father in the first place to to accepting it and then recognizing that, you know, Mm -hmm. and just the, and then feeling the connection, the love. And it's like this like big release. Now he's here. And and so he, I think he had more of like a direct attraction to Amias than I did because I don't know, the whole pregnancy happens inside, you know? So I had this like connection on like a spiritual level through my body somehow and him just experiencing on the outside, it was like all more in his head, you know? And then all, but all of a sudden like the baby's here now. So then it just makes it all real. Um, so just like a very different thing. And then I, what hit me and like what was hard, like, I, cause I, emo- I started to ha- be emotionally like unstable eventually, but it took a while. Um, and it's when I began realizing how much I didn't prepare for motherhood. Mm-hmm. Like the whole time I was pregnant, I just prepared for birth. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, but that was only a day of my life. This is now the rest of my life. <laughs> But just, you know, just like you have the nine months of being pregnant to prepare for the birth, you have the rest of your life to prepare for the rest of your life. Like, it's just like an ongoing thing. So, yeah. Hmm. Awesome. Is there anything else you want to share? (sighs) I think that's pretty much the whole of it. It's so beautiful. Such a... You know, I say this every freaking episode, but just the simplicity of it, the normalcy of it, you know, and that this is, this is in action, what you talked about, you know, of your work shifting in the world. Like this is it, that you just birthed a son, a future man into the world who experienced no drugs, no violence, um, you know, healthy attachment, breastfeeding, you know, all of the tenants that make a contented infancy um, will nourish and nurture a contented man. Mm-hmm. You know, like you did it. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you. 
that's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.